How you doing? Welcome back to the greatest podcast in the world, season three, loosely, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, things are things are going to be exciting and fresh and new and interesting over here uh, moving forwards, and we can't wait to get into all of it and you know be with you again, which is wonderful. Um, we're doing a classic style episode today. Uh, top five, culture catch-up, homework, all the things that you know and love uh, will be will be on display. We'll be counting down our favourite Radiohead songs, which is very relevant as they've just released a big uh, celebration of one of some of their best work. So we're very timely, as always, uh, which is great. <laughs> I am your host, George. I hope that you're well, and it's a pleasure to be back with you. And here is... My co-host, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are you, George, today? I'm good today, thank you. I had a had a big um, internet-based yeah. panic um, about an hour ago and wasn't sure that I'd be able to record this morning. But luckily, thanks to absolutely none of the things <laughs> I did to try and fix it, somehow it's working again, so I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I don't feel competent in any way, but I can at least do the things I wanted to do. So yeah, it's fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to be back. It's been a it's been a long time. I've missed us. Good. Ah. <laughs> You're right, George. I banged my arm on the uh, radio next one. <laughs> you made such a pain Sorry. face with no sound. He was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah. Just try not to call call attention to it. Oh, sorry. Um, Your face did make a funny expression. But yeah, I'm very excited. Excited about talking about Radiohead songs. Uh, gave me a good opportunity yes, to listen to all of their discography again. And yeah, it's been good. Yes, it has been good. Are you ready to get into some time, some stuff, some discussions of pop culture? Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Good. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Culture catch up time. Uh, so, am I going to kick off this week? Yes, please. Okay, cool. So, I've watched, uh, well, obviously, since we last uh, spoke, it's been a little while, so I've watched a ton of things. So I'm going to just go through kind of, you know, the ones that are relevant to talk about. And uh, for some of them, I'll just quickly give a, a, you know, what I thought of it. And for others, we'll stop and have a longer chat, if that makes sense. Um, First up is a film called The Medium, which is a 2021 movie uh, from this year. Uh, It's a Thai film from Thailand, and it's a mockumentary supernatural horror film. Um... It nominally claims to be a documentary, as you're watching it, claims to be a documentary um, following uh, shamans in Thailand to see uh, what they do and how they sort of provide service to their communities, etc. 
and they focus in on a character called Nim, who is a, a shaman for a specific um, deity in Thailand. And uh, they think they're making a documentary uh, about Nim and um, what she does to kind of help her community and look after people. But very, very quickly, um, the focus of the movie shifts to uh, Nim's niece, Mink, who begins acting rather strangely. And uh, they try to get to the bottom of what is causing this uh, new behaviour in Mink. Um, if you're looking for a movie in which people say the word Mink more times than any other point in human history, <laughs> this is exactly the film for you. Uh, people say Mink so often in this movie is, is pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of produced by... It's a co-production between Korea and Thailand and in its creative team is the writer and director of a movie from a few years ago called The Wailing, which is uh, one of the greatest horror films to come out in the past decade. Um, probably the one and also one of the best films at all to come out of South Korea uh, in recent years. But it's less well known than films like Parasite because it's um, this big or it's almost three hours long, strange, weird horror film that is at some points is a zombie movie. At some points it's a possession film. At other points it's like a comedy um, which is what I love about Korean cinema is that they can kind of um, move between genres and styles at the drop of a hat. This film is much more focused on being a found footage horror film, but uh, it's a very entertaining one. So it doesn't do anything particularly new, but if you enjoy found footage and sort of fake documentaries and films in that style, like I've talked about Noroi the Curse in the past, then um, you should really enjoy the medium. It's streaming on Shudder in the UK, uh, but can be found in other places, I think. And uh, it's brilliant. It's, it's really worth watch. So uh, I'd recommend it to everyone. That's The Medium. Sounds good. Are you going to watch The Medium? No. Alex, no. <laughs> but you'll never know what happened to Mink. What becomes of Mink? I, 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 I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> oh, you should care. Mink's lovely. Is, it's is not it... nice to say that you don't care about things, Alex. It's quite rude. But fine. We'll Shut on. up! Do you want to argue <laughs> while we before starting recording? We had a no, we had a no, one sided no, argument, please, which us. I'm not going to talk about. But now George is trying to rehash the argument. If you want, we can do it. No, I don't do it. <laughs> so, just because George uh, likes about... the word, I don't care a lot when I say stuff. No, it's oh, no, it's not. True. <laughs> um, are you making me sound like a really awful person <laughs> the next film to talk about is, is a Shudder original so is, is is definitely to be found on the streaming site Shudder um, it's called VHS 94 and it's the fourth entry in the VHS franchise which is a horror franchise of found footage anthology movies uh, each film in the series uh, features you know three or four short films all done in the found footage style uh, and us they usually have a book ending uh, thing that wraps around that shows characters finding the tapes and watching the tapes and then strange things happening. Um, all of the VHS movies are a mixed bag. They generally have one or two really good shorts in them and then one or two really, really bad ones. Unfortunately, VHS 94 contains almost exclusively terrible short features and is is an awful film and I wouldn't recommend anyone watch it. So that's all I have to say about VHS 94 is that you shouldn't watch it. But if you do watch it, just watch the first segment because the first segment is the is the best segment in the film and is sort of quite entertaining. But the rest of it is a big a big waste of time. Um, 
Then I went to the cinema. All exciting. And I saw the latest Wes Anderson feature, <gasps> The French Dispatch. Oh, please don't talk to me about it. Oh. Yeah, I know. So, you yeah, haven't seen it yet. I don't want... Um, I'm going to watch it on Wednesday. So, <laughs> don't talk to me about it. No, I know. I'm not going to talk to you about it. I'm just saying I've seen it. Oh. And that you haven't seen it. So, we'll talk about it when you have seen it. Yeah. Um... But this happened. It's out. It's 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 a thing. It's a thing. Um, what did you think of the thing? The John Carpenter film. No, no, the film. <laughs> oh, the French Dispatch. Yeah. You told me not to say what I thought about it. No, no, I don't want to know the plot. I just want to know. All right, okay. Well, I'll say I'll say this so much about it. It's not his best film. Okay. But it's a very fun time. Yeah. But because we've spoken about how we perceive Wes Anderson differently, is it more like the Wes Anderson you like or is it more the Wes Anderson I like? I think it's something in between because, you, okay. I mean, do you know do you know anything about it? No, because I don't. Okay, so I, I wouldn't... Sp- okay. It's a, it's a certain type of film which makes it difficult for it to be the, the type of Wes Anderson you like. But it's not as funny as I'd like a good Wes okay. Anderson movie to be. So yeah. it's not fully the type that I like. It kind of exists in a middle ground, which is kind of why I think it's going to... It will be slightly forgotten in his filmography, I think. Okay. But it's still always great to see a new Wes Anderson film. Okay. Yeah, because... it's it's not a bad one. It's really weird with Wes Anderson films. I try not to read anything about them or watch anything before I watch the film. I want to be totally That's surprised. Very so. I still liked it. I had a good time. I'll definitely watch it again. So, you know, you should be excited to yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, good. I watched a film that I've made. I've, I watched a movie that I've been meaning to watch for years that appears on no streaming services and isn't on Blu-ray and is hard to watch, but finally popped up on Amazon. So I've, I've been able to watch it. It's a 2007 French film. Uh, it's often kind of considered to be part of the new French extremity uh, horror genre, which features movies like... Um, I think uh, Switchblade Romance and Martyrs and just these generally and uh, irreversible, just very intense, violent, um, difficult to watch French horror films. And this one is called Inside or Al Interior, if you're um, bad at saying French words. <laughs> um, it's uh, basically about a woman who's pregnant and uh, she's uh, home alone one night because the father of the baby has uh, died uh, before the birth of the child, which is sad with a pair of scissors and a determination to acquire uh, the baby. And I won't go into much more detail than that, but it's pretty grim. And uh, if you like extreme horror films, then Inside is a good one to watch. <laughs> Alex is shaking her head. <laughs> I don't think... I think there's a, there's a scene near the end of this movie that would make you pass out fully, <laughs> like actually pass out. I think if you watched it, you would collapse. So <laughs> don't watch it. Okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll watch. For other people... It's a good time. Um, what, 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 uh, what, 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 is, what makes it a good time watching somebody being dismembered? Um, <laughs> I mean, people have spoken about this at length a lot and I've never heard anyone give a good answer. Mm. It's hard to define it. It's just sort of... It's 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 like it's it's the be- the closest I and you don't like these either. The closest I can say is it's a roller coaster. It's getting to experience something quite unpleasant, but in a very safe environment, okay. and it just kind of it just kind of fires off certain chemicals, certain reactions in your brain that you don't really get anywhere else. 
Mm. And it's just quite, you know, why people addicted to smoking, why people, you know, it's just sort of a, it gives you a bit of a, a rush in a certain way that you can't find anywhere else. A really good horror film and especially a really good French horror film of this style is uh, is a hard thing to come by. And I'll be talking about a more recent one quite soon, actually, that I saw in the cinema. Interesting. Yeah. Good. I guess I don't like um, the rush. Well, <laughs> no, I guess you don't. But you should try it. You should. Uh, you do it. I think you do though, because you watched Hereditary. Like I think you just sort of, you you find it quite intense. But you've watched some horror films recently and enjoyed them. The thing is, with her- the problem is, it stays with me. Like now, if there's not much light in a room, I just imagine Tony Collette <laughs> being <laughs> in the corner where she shouldn't be. And so I, f- I feel like I'd rather just live a calm l- life and not having like PTSD from these kind of things. <laughs> I won't spoil anything. I won't spoil anything specifically, but out of the horror films you've watched recently, I'd say the most. How did you find watching somebody um, saw off their own head with piano wire? That was pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you watched it. I did watch it. Yeah. Well, because you made me watch it. I no, didn't have a choice. Did you? Like, you didn't, like you did what what we were talking about recently are we it's something that we've recorded that hasn't been put out yet but there's a there's a really important moment in something we watched recently that you revealed you hadn't actually watched when we talked about it yeah yeah but that's because of the character yeah rather than what yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting i feel i feel yeah. i don't know just, i feel like i don't know maybe my imagination is really like crazy and i i, I kind of imagine that it could be real i don't know that's fair. That's fair. Because it's a safe environment, oh. but my head is not necessarily a safe environment. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's, that's After true years of, of knowing each other, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so moving on. Since we last recorded, as well, I've discovered a podcast that I really like and listened to all of it, and it's a podcast called The Parapod, which is a um. It's a free, it ran for three seasons from like 2015 to 2018-ish. Uh, it's a British podcast featuring uh, the comedians Ian Boldsworth and Barry Dodds, uh, in which they basically, Barry Dodds is a big believer in ghosts. He goes on ghost hunts all the time and is like into the paranormal world. Wow. And uh, Ian Boldsworth is a complete skeptic who doesn't believe in it at all. And uh, the the each episode is that Barry Dodds brings along a, case of a haunting or a ghostly event that he tries to convince Ian Boldsworth is real um, and they basically, they kind of argue about whether it's real or not. It's very, very funny and very good and um, yeah, I really loved it and the reason I watched it, the reason I listened to the podcast is because I was browsing Amazon Video one day and I saw a new film pop up called The Parapod, A Very British Ghost Hunt and I looked, I was like, what's that? And I looked at it and said it was, oh, the first podcast to become a movie and um. I was like, that sounds interesting. So I went and listened to the podcast and I really enjoyed it. So then I watched the film, uh, which is very much a film version of the podcast where Barry takes Ian around the country to various different haunted locations to try and convince him that there were ghosts. Uh, while Ian sort of rolls his eyes and points out all of the things that can't mm-hmm. possibly be true, etc. And um, it's really entertaining. I really liked it. If you, if you go in and listen to the podcast and get into the podcast, I think you'll have a really good time with the film because you just end up being quite endeared towards the two comedians. Okay. Um, particularly think- Barry Dodds, who seem, who's like unlike anyone I've ever heard in my life, is a, a fascinating person. Are they <laughs> well, actually just sort acting? Of seems, 
themselves. No, they're re- no, they're real. They're just themselves. It's it's just a real yeah. Yeah, but so no the, they are involved. in the film. Yeah, yeah in oh, the okay. film they're they're just it's like a documentary almost. Okay. Um, but it was really I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyable. And there's like one moment in particular in the film that's quite uh shocking, and I wasn't expecting to happen, and it was um. Yeah, it's it's really good. I'd recommend people check out that podcast. I mean, it's you know it's much bigger than our podcast, obviously. So, but and also I think they had this idea. Uh, Ian particularly had this idea to make it into a film and struggled to get financing and ended up sort of making it a lot of it himself. He directed it himself and got a lot of a lot of crowdfunding for it. And they kind of it really feels like this thing that that they've really made themselves with their own sort of uh, sweat and tears. And it it kind of shows and it all endears you to it. I think and. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. And um, I think, yeah, people should check it out. The Power Pod, A Very British Ghost Hunt and the accompanying podcast um, is brilliant. Something something that I'm not going to talk about for very long because it deeply disappointed me was a new Nicolas Cage movie from this year called Prisoners of the Ghostland. Um, this is a movie directed by uh, a Japanese director, actually. It's his first English language film. Uh, uh. He's called Sion Sono. Mm. And um, Nicholas Cage plays a criminal. Ah, uh, yeah. Who we see him robbing a bank at the start mm. of the film. He ends up with a. I think I did. I show you that. I showed you the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Watch the trailer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we watched the trailer. We did a YouTube on the trailer. Yeah. So he has. He gets this jo- like um the governor who's played by Bill Mosley who was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two and is the only good thing in this film. <laughs> um, what Nicholas Cage is not his, good. Well, I'll talk about it, but <laughs> Sophia Batella Sophia Batella plays um the governor's daughter. She goes missing in the Ghostland. Uh and the governor takes this criminal, Nicolas Cage, puts this jumpsuit on him, which is covered in these little bombs that he's got two on his neck, two on his one on each arm, and then two on his um two one over each of his uh uh, uh testicles, basically. <laughs> and um uh, there's a timer on the suit and Nicolas Cage has to go and rescue this guy's daughter otherwise the bombs will explode and um, there's also things like if uh, if he hits a woman one of the things on his arm will explode if he gets aroused then one of the more um, upsettingly placed bombs will um, will detonate oh, etc um, yeah, it does sound good it sounds like a great idea for a movie and um, I have been waiting to see it for ages and it finally hit. It didn't come out in the cinemas, which sort of disappointed me a bit because I thought it would be a fun cinema watch, but I'm glad it didn't come out in the cinemas now. <laughs> and um, Nicolas Cage, before it came out, was doing these interviews where he was saying, oh, it's the wildest movie I've ever made, to the point where the trailer and the poster have that quote. You know, like posters will have quotes from film critics yeah. saying how good it is. This The poster for this film has a quote from Nicolas Cage about <laughs> how good the film is, which is... Again, I was like, oh, he's made some really wild films. It must be properly wild. And it is really wild, but it's it's one of these movies where it's all seems... It's hard to see what it's in service of. I mean, I think Sion Sonno is a very... I've never seen any of his other movies. I think he's a very well-respected director. And I think he often brings into uh, commentary around uh, nuclear weapons mm. and, and Hiroshima and things into his work. And there's there's a lot of that in this film, which is sort of commendable for him to be kind of discussing this and talking about this but it just it feels like it's trying to make a point about that while at the same time not being entertaining on its own merits i think if you've got a movie that's got a message in it about sort of an issue that you care strongly about that's absolutely fine Mm. 
but the movie itself still needs to be entertaining. Yeah. And in this film, it's just lots of characters saying wacky things and being wacky and silly and weird. And I like wackiness and silliness, but it all it's all just mm. sort of random. It feels it feels completely without focus. Yeah. Uh, which ended up being making it one of the most boring movies I've seen in quite oh, a long no. time. And in a movie where Nicolas Cage has got grenades attached to his whole body and he's like running around screaming and you've got pe- like nuclear waste diseased prisoners that he's fighting. Like it should be an entertaining, interesting yeah. film. And unfortunately it's just really, really gratingly boring. And uh, How that weird. was disappointing. I was really upset about that. Because the trailer uh, looked great. Yeah, the trailer looked great, and it, but it feels like the trailer for two hours without any, oh, like, okay, without anything else. To, I don't know. It was upsetting. Uh, something else that I've not got great things to say but to speak about is uh, a film that was due out um, before the pandemic hit and got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And as a result, I've ended up seeing the trailer for this film 10, 20 times, <laughs> like every film I've been to the cinema to see pre and post pandemic has pretty much had a trailer for this film it's a horror movie um executive produced by guillermo del toro and yeah exactly so that should get you excited and directed by a guy called what's his name scott cooper who isn't really known to be a horror film director and the most well-known thing he's made i think is crazy heart the film that Jeff Bridges won an Oscar for portraying the country singer, Mm. which is a good film. But you wouldn't necessarily watch that movie and think, this guy, this is the guy (laughs) that can make a scary monster movie. Yeah. Um, It stars, it's got a great cast. It stars Kerry Russell and Jesse Plemons as sort of the two mains as a brother and sister um, pair. It focuses in on a young boy, um, called I think Lucas is the is the little boy in it yeah Lucas who um basically is set in sort of similar area of America to where Twin Peaks is set I think like sort of the north west sort of states logging areas and play mining and places mm-hmm. like that um and <clears throat> it's about a community that is torn apart when they are attacked by a mysterious creature that um infects Lucas's father and younger brother and leaves him kind of defending them. He's a student in Kerry Russell's class. She's a teacher. And when thing, when she notices that things seem to be not quite right with him, she steps in and tries to help him, leading to all kinds of supernatural monster-based uh, weirdness. My issue with the movie is that every single character in the film, like literally every single character, is in a bad mood for the entire film. And it was just the most downbeat, depressing horror film I've seen I think ever it had no there was no light to it at all and when 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 your only shade you're providing the audience is darkness it, it all just runs together in my opinion and it doesn't quite work and that's, that's what happened for me with Antlers I really was quite disappointed with it it also uses uh, Native American mythology in a very tokenizing way mm. uh, without really giving a voice to any na- there's one I think um, Native American actor or indigenous uh, actor Graham Green, who who basically pops up to explain um the story of the Wendigo, which is the kind of monster in this film, and then goes away again so that the you know Kerry Russell and Jesse Plemons can can actually fight it and star in the movie, um, so that sort of feels mildly offensive to me. And then um, 
Kerry Russell's character has a history of abuse as a child, and she talks a lot about how she was abused as a child by her father. Um, and it it seems to be to no reason. They're just sort of using quite a big issue that will be quite upsetting to a lot of people. Yeah. For, mm. for the for the for just for sort of set dressing, it feels like I I think they maybe are doing it so that you could she to make you understand why she would be so interested in helping Lucas when she spots maybe signs of abuse with uh, him but uh any any teacher who's halfway competent <laughs> yeah is going to be like it you don't need to give her that backstory and it, it doesn't add up to anything and it, again it just felt sort of unnecessary and then yeah every other character just been in a bad mood for the whole time just ugh. so that was kind of a big one been coming for ages it had some good decent reviews and stuff and there are people out there that like it but oh, it was a big whiff for me not a fan do you feel sometimes there is a connotation with uh, a film that is not that good but it's being executively produced by somebody that is fantastic? So, like, that is great. So a lot of times that there's a film and say, oh, produced by, and that's, like, the biggest thing about the film. Most yeah. of the time, the film is quite disappointing or recommended yeah, by yeah, yeah. or, you know, watched by. <laughs> and it's really... Well, what one of the most famous ones is, um, I think, Hostel, the yeah, original Hostel. Hostel. Yeah, was, that's what I was, was thinking about. It's like, uh, what was it? Uh, recommended it was presented by, by Presented Quentin by, so everybody was excited. Because he hadn't, I don't think he'd had any part in the production of it, but he'd seen it after it had been made and really liked it, so kind of yeah. helped to sell it. But, but and I, I mean, I, I don't mind the original Hostel film, but it's like people going to see it on the basis that Quentin Tarantino's name yeah. was on it would have been pretty disappointed because yeah. it's not a Quentin Tarantino no. film. No. Yeah, it's so. an Eli Roth film, which is a whole different beast. Oh. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, oh, and then I, 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 the same day that I saw Antlers, I saw uh, a film that you've seen as well yeah. called Last Night in Soho, mm-hmm. the latest Edgar Wright movie yeah. stars Thomas McKenzie, Anya Taylor Joy, and Matt Smith. Yeah, my second trip to the cinema this year. Yeah. What was your first? Uh, my first was Dune. Dune, exciting. <laughs> yes. Uh, We'll be talking about that in a lot of detail yeah. in another episode. Yeah, so we're going to go... Um, but for yeah. now, let's have a briefer chat about Last Night in Soho. Soho. Um, the, 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 be- the brief setup of the film is that Thomas and McKenzie plays uh, a character called... who does she, What's her character's name? Uh, Ellie. Louise or Ellie. Yeah. Ellie Turner, um, who is obsessed with 1960s London yeah. um, and is an aspiring fashion designer film opens with her going off to London to uh, go to fashion school. Mm. And um, she's, you kind of very quickly realise that she's quite innocent and quite um, maybe not prepared for life out in the big world, away from sort of the smaller village that she seems to live in. Mm. Um, And um, moves into student halls quite quickly, (laughs) decides she isn't keen on it, so finds a flat uh, very conveniently and quickly and unrealistically finds a flat yeah. that she can afford uh, in the middle of Soho. Yeah. And um, uh, which is run by a landlady played by, in her final on-screen role, I think, Diana Rigg. Um, Did she pass away? Diana Rigg died, yeah. To, uh, oh. seen quite a while ago, actually, since the movie was, was filmed oh before it came out. Mm. Um, yeah, so Diana Rigg plays uh, the landlady of this of this apartment that she gets and she spends a night in this apartment. Oh, and the movie sets up at the start that Ellie's got 
maybe some kind of odd psychic connection with her dead mum and might be kind of open to experiencing things. Mm -hmm. Um, And she very quickly finds herself in her sleep experiencing um, 1960s London through the eyes of Sandy, uh, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who is an aspiring singer and quickly gets herself involved with uh, Matt Smith's Jack, Mm. who uh, promises her the world. Mm. Um, uh, That's the setup. It all goes quite dark from there and um, turns into a sort of psychological thriller. Mm. And, uh, yeah, what, what what did you make of it? What did you make of it first? Well, I was quite nervous before I went to see it because I love Edgar Wright. Yeah, me too. Um, movies. And it sort of... I was excited when he first announced it because mm. it was announced as having uh, Anya Taylor-Joy in it, who I really liked. And then yeah. when I realised... Once I started seeing movies with Thomas and Mackenzie in and realised how good she yeah. was, I was, you know, I was pretty pretty keen. Absolutely. Um, and he was talking about how it was inspired by psychological thrillers such as... Um, don't Look Now and uh, Roman Polanski's film, I think it's called Repulsion. Mm. I haven't seen it, so I'm not certain, but like films of that nature. And then um, when it started to get first get shown about a month or so ago at various film festivals and things, reviews started to come out that were fairly mixed. It was getting a lot of free stars around mm. the place and a lot of sort of like quite muted reception to it. Mm. Uh, and then a few quite good reviews and then, you know, some really negative reviews coming out. So it definitely seemed like it was splitting people. Um so I was quite nervous before I went to see it and I watched Antlers first, which I hated. And I was like, <laughs> oh, if I hate this as well, this is going to be a rubbish evening. But um, <laughs> uh, there's a sequence about there's a sequence about 20 minutes in where she first goes through this 1960s London and you, you see sort of Anya Taylor-Joy for the first time. Yeah. And it was at some point in that that was like, I am loving every moment of this. Mm. And it very much is what I like mm. uh, in and you know in a psychological thriller and stuff and I really like the actors in it and mm. um yeah I really loved it towards the end as it wraps itself up it sort of rushes through quite a lot of mm. stuff quite quickly in the final act which probably will be like on subsequent rewatches I can imagine myself getting a bit yeah bored and fidgety during the final act yeah because it doesn't quite give you the answers in a, in a way that's as sort of good as you'd hope but yeah uh, overall, I, I personally really loved it and, um, mm. yeah, was a big fan. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I agree totally with the end, with the, like, the last act where it was just, like, rushing through something and um, I was really excited to go and watch it. You know, I, I really enjoy Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomas and Mackenzie. I feel, I, I like you said, I think the fir- the moment where you see London... And you see, and you know, there's the kind of parallel thing is incredible, and you, you this film really sucks you in. But at one point, towards when you realize what's happening to the character of Anya Taylor Joy, my thought was like, to be able to finish this film in a way that's satisfying is going to be so difficult. But the more it went on, the more I was like, it's just not really the it didn't really for me it's it's like the first the beginning is great but i feel like the ending is not and i think it kind of painted a little bit the beginning as well and you know there there are so many things elements that he could have left out for example the nemesis in the university i think that's not a necessity um her, oh, I- I loved that character. Oh, I loved that bit. I want that to be in the film. 
Because oh. it really reminded me of my days at university. Like I, I, I was exactly the kind of thing that I experienced when I went to uni for the first time, and okay, it kind of was one of the things that sold me on the movie. Ah, okay, because which is I interesting because that's part of why I, I love it so much. Ah, okay, because I was like, because I didn't, I didn't go into halls, so I don't know how they were, but um, I feel well, it, it, well, that's just my opinion. How like he could have worked a little bit harder. He could have made the ending a bit better without having these elements that didn't, for me, make sense. Like, why go in holes and then find an apartment? And, you know, I was thinking deposit, uh, rent, you know, all those things that it's just like No, I know, but sort money. of, I don't know, I, you have to kind of poetic suspension of disbelief a little bit with some of absolutely. those absolutely but i let it go but like i just it reminded me a lot of my journey of going into halls and absolutely hating it and yeah. leaving not finding a flat because i was still but like running back home and stuff and yeah i don't know i really connected with the character the like thomas and mckenzie's character yeah. yeah i think in a way that made me forgive a lot of the any other fil- flaws mm. in the film because i just yeah really really uh, sort of yeah connected yeah. with 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 that world but then there's the character that play that uh, Harry Clavel plays in the past and uh, Terence Stump plays in the present. I felt like that wasn't really, it didn't really matter. I'm thinking about it in hindsight, in the sense of after yeah, yeah, watching yeah. the film. But I think he's trying to do a red herring, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, th- yeah, absolutely. But, but after watching work. the film, Harry Clavel was such a small part that I completely forgotten about that guy. And then it was like, why do, you, uh, why do you keep saying Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill's not in it. It's not, is it not Harry Cavill? It is. No, it's not. It's Sam Claflin. Oh, sorry. They look the same. Sam Claflin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Harry Cavill. It's Sam Cla- <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, no, but you know, uh, two uh, white British actors, um, you know, uh, they look very similar. They they play brothers in that uh, Anola Holmes film. Exactly. So I think that's why <laughs> I thought they were the same. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. And so I'm I'm just talking about about it in the fact that I was so disappointed in the ending and how things were concluded that ended that I feel I don't know. Looking at it, I could have cut some bits and made the ending a little bit more. Believe not believable, bit more. I it, unfortunately I didn't care at the end. I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't interested anymore, and it's a shame because yeah. it started so well and the performances are all great. Uh, you told me about um, you know, I wasn't really sure about Matt Smith, and I think he's great in it. I think all the performances are great. Um, everybody turns up for this film, so it's you know pretty exciting. But I. It just didn't, it just, for me, it was so rushed at the end. I was just like, oh, it just, I'll watch it again. I wasn't, it wasn't a terrible film, but it not. No, I mean, I'll definitely watch it again. I, I think the ending is shot in a way that's, I, I think it's shot, because Edgar Wright is amazing, like he's an incredible sort of constructor of scenes and stuff. And mm. I think the ending is exciting. But the thing that kind of lets it down for me is just, I, I wish that he made a stronger statement about um i don't want to spoil the film but like uh, the the way the film wraps up and when you kind of the revelations about who is who Mm. and what is happening Mm. i wish that 
more forgiveness was given to a certain character and more judgment was held to yeah. other characters. Yeah. And it and, and Edgar Wright had made a more sort of angry yeah. film in a way that that made a clearer statement. That's that's the one thing that I would um sort for of me, criticize it for. What made, didn't make sense towards the end is what uh the character uh, Miss Collins uh Diana uh, played by Diana Rigg does to yeah. Ellie. I just don't understand why she wouldn't why she did what she did because at the end of the day Ellie didn't know and I don't understand why she would try to do what she does. And I was like, well that makes no sense because yeah. Ellie didn't know and also then at the end nothing happens to Ellie which should happen because she has done that thing and I was like why is she okay and so that for me was un- not I was so disappointed in that moment because in reality it should have been a moment of kind of like you know the story you find out the story all of this and and it, it just didn't make sense for me and it was and uh it's a shame because I wanted to love this film more. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to come out on streaming, so I'm going to watch it again. Uh, maybe uh, if I watch it again, maybe I'll, I'll pick up some other things. But I just didn't wasn't convinced by the ending. Yeah, but a film's about more than the ending, I think. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. But the fact that I was conscious in the middle of the film when it kept like going from, you know, when Ellie kept going to sleep, it's like, this has to go a really clever way to be a great film. Yeah, and unfortunately yeah, yeah. it didn't. And, and it's a shame because Edgar Wright is amazing and he, he's done incredible films. Uh, and one of my favorite, one of our both favorite films, which is like Scott Pilgrim and stuff. So, you know, you, you would expect something really clever and I, yeah. it just it just wasn't, and it's such a shame because the first part is so great. Yeah, and but I like it more than Baby Driver for sure. I've never watched Baby Driver actually. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's last night in Soho. Yeah. Five stars from me. <laughs> Go and watch it. Yeah. Um. I would definitely recommend <laughs> watching it. I think you should watch it because it's really well done. It, it's just not. You know, it's a fun B movie thriller, which is absolutely my wheelhouse. But it's not an all time classic. No, unfortunately. Oh, good, good. good. Um, I like it. Then I watched a film that's not out properly until I don't think next year in the UK. But I I got to go and see sort of a preview screening of it at the local art cinema in Manchester, uh, because I really wanted to see this movie because it was directed by Julia de Cournu. Or I probably butchered that name, sorry, Julia DeCorno, um, who has previously directed uh, one of my favourite films of all time, uh, the film Raw, which I've spoken to you about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, her second film is called Tatane, mm-hmm. or Tatan. Tatan. Um, Tartatan. Tatan. It's, uh, it's a body horror film. Ugh. It stars... Yeah. <laughs> it stars... Um, <laughs> An actress who I don't think I've seen anything before called Agatha Roussel as a character called Alexia, who uh, the film opens with us seeing her experience um, quite a horrific injury that involves having a titanium plate inserted in her skull as a child. And then it cuts very quickly to her as an adult. uh, And she is basically an erotic dancer at at 
car shows. She sort of dances erotically ah. on top of cars. That sort of job. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Um, like in a bikini. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. In a bikini or in even less than that. Oh, uh, wow. at certain certain moments I think. Um so she this is the so yeah, it follows her and it's very much a film of two halves. The first half is sort of her spiralling down. Um that culminates in her having a romantic encounter with a um uh a Cadillac and then <laughs> <laughs> she discovers With that what? she um, what does she use what what does she use well there's a scene where the cadillac is sort of bouncing up and down quite rhythmically and she's sat in the back seat and there are seat belts involved it's a, it's a whole mood oh. but that happens okay and then Man, she discovers nice. fairly quickly that she is uh pregnant and uh <laughs> Runs away from home, uh, runs away from home, uh, and um, I won't spoil what the second half of the movie is, but you wouldn't be able to predict what would happen next. But it's um, it's pretty bonkers. Um, it's really, really a film of two halves where the first half or the first forty minutes or so, first half hour maybe, are really amazing and visceral and kinetic and strange and just incredible, and then the second half slows all the way down to first gear and really really takes its time uh with exploring sort of gender and masculinity and a lot of quite big ideas and it turns into a bit of a drama and it's it's really it's it's quite jarring to go from quite ex- quite incredible sort of thriller horror body horror stuff into um, something that's still got those elements in it, but is sort of spread out to the point where it's it, it's much more like a kind of just traditional drama at points. Um, so it, it's an odd one, and I think I'm going to have to watch it a couple of times. On my first watch, I was, by the end, a bit sort of in the middle on it. I think I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. But I think I like it more having reflected on it over the past few weeks since I saw it. And I think when I watch it again for a second time, I'll probably appreciate the second half knowing that it's coming and having it be less of a sort of jarring change in tone. Um, there's an actor in the second half called Vincent Lindon who plays a character called Vincent who's a sort of fire chief um, who is incredible in the film. Um, and just, yeah, really, really good. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really odd one. And uh, if you're interested in strange interesting cinema i'd recommend checking out to tame um and i i want to watch it again is she pregnant with the cadillac's child you'll have to see the film to find oh my out goodness can i watch do you think i can watch the film uh probably i'm quite I fascinated mean, by it because <laughs> it sounds weird it is weird but it's um it's mm. got it's got a handful of scenes that are quite gory but overall i think i think you could watch it i think you'd watch it definitely so yeah, so that's um that was Tatane. Um then I watched uh I'll talk about these last handful very, very quickly. I watched a film called Deep Red, which is a classic um Italian giallo from Dario Argento. Um, often known as his kind of best giallo film, I think. Uh it came out in nineteen seventy five. Uh it's in Italian it would be pronounced uh 
Profondo Rosso. Mm. Is that okay? Yeah, perfect. Profondo Rosso. Um, and uh, was known for years only as Profondo Rosso because it didn't have an English release, which is why I think it's... I'd never really heard of it much but in the UK. And a lot of... This mm. is true of a lot of those Italian horror movies where they didn't really see a proper release in the UK, so have only really found an audience in the past sort of 10, 20 years as they've been remastered and re-released mm. by um, places like Arrow Video. Um it's 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 your it's your it's your standard Dario Argento Jello movie. There's a murder. Someone who shouldn't really have the job of finding out who did the murder decides to take on board the job of the murder investigation. In this uh, in this case, it's a musician, a jazz musician, who decides that he's the right person for the job. Um, and various other people get killed off in various other imaginative ways. Uh, you there's a figure in a raincoat with black gloves on that does a lot of the murdering. The rev- the revelations as to who the murderer is at the end are interesting and and twisty. There's a psychic at the start for no real reason other than mm-hmm. to have a psychic, and mm. it's pretty that's pretty mad. And uh, overall, it's a five star film largely because the score was done by uh, Goblin who went on to do the scores for Dawn of the Dead and um, uh, Suspiria as well. And this is the best of their scores I've heard. It's absolutely incredible. And every single moment when the, when the music starts is just joyful. So um, I've, if, if, if you haven't seen Deep Red, uh, find it and check it out. It's incredible. Um, then I went to see the latest Marvel movie, Eternals, which um, you are going to be seeing, right? Yeah, Monday. Monday. Uh, so I won't talk to you too much about that, but I it's had a lot of sniffy reviews. It's, mm. it's I think, the only Marvel movie now to have under 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. And um, lots of people have, have accused it of being uh, dull and boring and uh, all over the place and unconvincing. I absolutely loved it and gave it five stars and just thought Chloe's out made something new and different mm. and incredible, and I adore it. And I'll be interested to hear what you think of it. Yeah. Because you've you really like Chloe Zhao's move yeah. last film that you saw, she, I I I don't know. I I feel like maybe you'll maybe you'll see it the same way I do. I hope you do, mm. but um, we'll have to see. It's got this. It's got like a a kind of really, um, it's got a very you know. I think in the comics, the Eternals are all sort of white characters, and yeah, in the film, the F, it's a really mixed multi ethnicity cast. You've got Gemma Chan's in there, and um, oh, I don't remember his name, but. My favourite character from Train to Busan plays a character called Gilgamesh. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, I really liked it. So I'll be interested to find out what you think of it. Uh, the same day I saw Eternals, I went to see Spencer, the Kristen Stewart Princess mm-hmm. Diana movie, um, which is uh, notable for today because it has a score by Johnny Greenwood and oh. the score is very, very good. Mm-hmm. And Kristen Stewart's performances, I, I don't, personally have many positive things to say about the royal family or much interest in the in following the lives of the royal family but Kristen Stewart's performance as Princess Diana is incredible and will be nominated for an Oscar and she probably deserves to win an Oscar for it uh, she's so so good in this film and the director uh, Pablo Lorraine has um kind of I think quite intentionally used The Shining as inspiration the movie is set over Diana's final Christmas wow. weekend at Sandringham Castle yeah or Sandringham Estate and uh, he shoots the Sandringham in a way to evoke the feeling of the overlook the sky is permanently grey oh when goodness. Diana arrives at the start of the film uh, in her car um, she uh, it's this overhead shot that feels very evocative of The Shining 
there's lots of kind of cold empty corridors it just it very much i think intentionally feels like the shining and, and is, is done to kind of um demonstrate her isolation and her mm. increasing madness and under the kind of scrutiny of the royal family yeah. and um i really really liked it um more than i thought i would so i'd recommend spencer to anyone and uh that's all the films that's all of the films. I've got three albums quickly to recommend, and then we can get into you. Sorry. So Self Esteem, who's an indie pop act, uh, has released an album called Prioritise Pleasure, which is incredible and worth listening to. Biffy Clyro's latest album, The Myth of the Happily Ever After, is one of their best in a while and is amazing, and you should listen to it. And The War on Drugs, uh, who have produced the recent Killers albums, have released a new album called I Don't Live Here Anymore, which is that sort of perfect Americana rock driving music and is also incredible so three of the best album the albums of the year released recently so listen to all three of them amazing yeah and that's me done sorry did i see on on your on your on your facebook that you went to watch black midi yes i saw them live how was it it was brilliant really really good um they are crazy live yeah um, i can imagine well, they're crazy they not live <laughs> crazy are they <laughs> <laughs> well they they played i think i think uh, just about half of the set list was songs that haven't been released on any albums yet wow. so it was very much like trying to keep up with sort of stuff you'd never heard before but it was they it was all really good stuff and then when they played sort of songs like john l um, yeah. the crowd went absolutely <laughs> bananas it Amazing. was um it was great it was really really fun um yeah i'd recommend catching black midi if you get a chance um yeah yeah definitely good sounds good yeah. how many drinking devices have you got <laughs> that's a different one again well i my big one that makes the whistling sound yeah. when i drink um yeah. perished this week um oh no so i had to get a new bottle yeah i was what, very what sad. happened to it upset uh, I put it in my rucksack and when I was getting to my car my rucksack uh fell on the floor yeah and later when I unpacked my rucksack uh, everything was very wet and the bottom of the bottle had sheared off completely. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, it was oh. upsetting. But this one's metal, so that won't be happening. No, good, no, my metal, metal bottle one. From I've... the good people at Hydro Flask. Nice. Well, my metal one, I'm really annoyed because as soon as I got it, I dropped it and I've got a big, um, a big um, dent. And it really upset me because I'm very strange and I I like things not to have dents. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry. But I love my metal bottle, but it's just got a dent. Never mind. Hydroflask. Hydroflask. It's got a wide mouth. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I bought it because it has a wide mouth, and it was like, oh, perfect for drinking out of wide mouth. But actually, it's got a, it's sort of just a normal flask. Ah, size. it's like mine. Mine has got a wide mouth. Then, mm. look, lovely wide mouth. Lovely, lovely, cool, excellent, G, fantastic, a culture catch up. Enjoyed every minute of it. Good. Um, I really what would like to watch. To do, uh, to Tatan, that would be pretty cool to watch. Yeah, you should definitely check out Tatan. As long as there's not too much uh, gore and stuff, I can watch Tatan. it. Tatan, Tatan. 
So, yeah, so I went to the cinema finally and I watched two films. We, I watched Dune, like we said before, and uh, we're going to talk about it in more detail soon. And then I watched Last Night in Soho. Uh, I also uh, watched um, I watched a film on Netflix. Uh, it's November, so it's, of course, nearly Christmas time, according to many people. And um, the reason I watched it is just I haven't really enjoyed a Christmas movie for a while because they don't do they don't do Christmas movies anymore that are good, do they? Yeah, they tend to just make rubbish Netflix ones. Yeah, and I I was just like, oh, and I didn't want to watch it, but I watched it because I thought maybe this is gonna be the one, you know, maybe it's gonna be even <laughs> even though the premise is really not great um i don't know i don't know what i was expecting but i thought you know there was a, a nina dobrev is a film with nina dobrev and jimmy o young i really like jimmy o young he's a really funny um comedian so i thought maybe this could be a fun christmas movie but unfortunately it's a romantic christmas movie that, that and that is a big issue that i have now with christmas movies that they're all about romance you know yeah all of them and yeah. why is Christmas is the least romantic holiday, especially if you're a couple? Which family do you go to? Which what present to buy is stressful? Like the only thing I want to do at Christmas is be in my pajamas and sleep. I don't understand why Christmas has become romance, but yeah. So, um, uh, and the film is called Love Hard. The basic setup is is this girl in LA and uh, she is very unlucky in love but this unluck in love has uh, made her quite good at writing these um, articles on this kind of BuzzFeed kind of um, platform and uh, she's um, she finds this guy um, on the east coast on this dating app and uh, they start chatting and they chat and chat and chat and it's quite lovely and he's and they're perfect for each other and she surprised she decides to surprise him for the holidays so she has no family and so she decides to fly to east coast <laughs> and surprise him for the holidays which is already mental like who somebody that you've never met you've never uh, you you decide to and you never had like a, a facetime with you decide to fly to the east coast to um to spend the holidays with him which yeah is, she's on is insane like without even Arr. asking and then uh, as soon as she gets to his house she discovers that she's been kind of catfished because the person she was talking to was the guy was the person that she liked however the photo did not match the the actual person um and she's livid blah, blah 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 she's very angry and then this is and then uh, she finds out that the the actual guy that is in the picture is uh one of his friends in the same city so the deal is that she needs to um she this guy the catfished her is going to um uh set her up with her friend his friend but in the meantime she has to pretend to his family that they're together so it's all very weird because you know it's gonna get discovered and it's just <laughs> like it's okay like it's a it's it's you know and it's i don't know it's an hour and a half of 
Christmas and but it's really strange and I, I just I just don't get how uh because also there's a thing that uh he catfished her but she kind of catfished the other guy it's just terrible and it's and they Sounds and again they there's the scene where the he she writes something on a cardboard box and like in love actually you know in the scene in love actually like i've yeah, never yeah, yeah, yeah. seen love actually i've refused to watch that film and i know that scene which is right it, it's used and reused in every like so much and it's a shame because you know you want to watch a good christmas film but unfortunately it isn't um no. did you see there's a new home alone film yeah it's not had good reviews oh see that's another christmas film that's not going to be good why can we not just do a good christmas film no yeah but it might be good i think the guardian gave it three stars yeah um, but like a lot of other places giving it one star and oh, i don't know mm. we'll see yeah well Let's hope. Uh, but yeah, so um, if you want to watch a Christmas film that will disappoint you, watch Love Hard. Uh, it's not great. Um, <laughs> uh, Jimmy O. Young is good, though. I really like him. He's a really good comedian. And uh, so uh, I need a, need a Dobrev is good. Like, the, the performances are not bad. They're okay. Yeah. It's just a... It's just a... Pretty silly film. Uh, and then um, uh, we've had a lot of time off, so I watched six seasons of an entire series. When I realized I watched 62 episodes, I was like, Alex, you are ill. Uh, but yeah, I watched uh, uh, 2013 series Girls. Oh, the Lena Dunham show. Written, directed, created by Lena Dunham. Dunham. Weird, I've never watched it because I think a lot of, uh, there was a lot of kind of criticism, although it was an acclaimed season, series, there was a lot of criticism and people talked badly about it and people don't like, personally, um, they don't like Lena Dunham, I don't know why, you know, they're, you know, I want, she seems like a girl with a lot of opinions, I don't understand why people don't like her, hmm. um, <laughs> And um, it's uh, a comedy about, uh, well, comedy drama about the experience of a group of girls and their kind of male counterparts um, in New York uh, in their 20s. Um, and the main uh, characters are uh, Lena Dunham, uh, Hannah Horvath, who is a writer, and then uh, Mani Michaels, played by Alison Williams, which then we see in uh, Get Out. And she uh, works in a art gallery, but she then becomes an inspiring singer. Uh, Jemima Kirk, uh, well, Jessa John Johnson, Jonathan, played by Jemima Kirk, which we see in Sex Education, uh, the principal in Sex Education. Um, Adam Sackler, played by Adam Driver, who we see everywhere. Um, yeah. Shoshana Sh uh, Shapiro, uh, played uh, played by Sozia Mamet, which I don't know where where are I I've seen in 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 Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but in not much. Um, uh, Elijah Kranz, played by Andrew Rannells, which we can see in loads of other things. So it's it was a it was what I liked about this is just this series kind of gave, opened the door to many actors, which mm. is fantastic because Adam Driver, while he was uh, playing um, Adam in um, 
in Girls. He also uh, was playing uh, Kylo Ren in uh, Star Wars. And then also Alison Williams was playing uh, that person in Get Out. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's her name? I don't remember her character's name in Get Out. No, me neither. Rose Armitage. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, it's, I really like this Caesar series. I really, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, it's, um, the reason I watched it is because for some reason, YouTube has just been giving me loads of like clips. And so I watched loads of clips and I, and I was like, why don't I just watch it? Because it was such a, uh, kind of, well, popular and a very critically acclaimed series i was like watch it and i got hooked badly i could i would i was watching five six episodes a night and um it's um i thought it was great because I, I feel like uh lena dunham is a really good writer and i feel like this um this series is kind of like uh original and quite accurate about people <laughs> after university i feel you go to university and then you set out into the world and you're supposed to be a writer uh, uh a lawyer or uh, whatever and then you're not because that's not you're not you just have to like kind of uh, navigate through life and i i think i think it's really interesting because it's quite realistic how you have this certain group of friends at some point in your life and then you kind of you maybe grow apart from them or maybe you kind of uh, reunite with them and you have these boyfriends that maybe you're on and off with them and um, it's good because not all characters have this throughout the six seasons six, six seasons not all the characters have the same relationship as the first season and some characters mm. kind of disappear and some kind of characters come back. And I think, I think that was a really interesting, it's a really fun series. And I absolutely fell in love with Adam driver. I need to watch more stuff with him. He's great. He's great in this. And I think he's my favorite character, although he's weird in this, I feel that he's great. And uh, I really mm. enjoyed it. So if you haven't watched Girls, I think it's it's definitely uh it's not perfect. It's not there are some things that really are quite annoying, but I feel also it's quite realistic. So I think that's why you find yourself annoyed with a lot of the characters a lot of the times because I feel sometimes you do find yourself annoyed at your friends or at people yeah. that you know. I don't know. I I I, I think is good. Have you ever watched it? Is there a reason why? Because the reason I never watched it is just I didn't. I wasn't. I had no interest in interest because I I kind of felt that it might not. I I I I read more bad reviews than good reviews. Um, is there a reason why I've never watched it? Um, how long are the episodes? Uh, only twenty five minutes. Okay. Mm. Um. I think just, I think it first, I think it, when did it start? 2013? 2013, yeah. So it started when we moved to Japan. Yeah. So I just didn't really have, I'd have had to go out of my way to watch it and there was no particular reason why I would 
Like, I don't know who Lena Dunham was, because I think that was the first thing she did. And the yeah. cast have all gone on to big things, but at the time, none of them were yeah. were well known. So it just sort of wasn't one of the things I, I watched. Mm. But there's no particular reason. I don't, like, have a, a vendetta against Lena Dunham or anything. I know no, that a lot of people no. dislike her. I have no strong opinion. Uh, mm. I wouldn't go as far as to say that I don't care about her, but... <laughs> I don't have a strong opinion about her either way. Yeah. But I feel like people have really strong opinions against her and I don't know why. Well, people have... It's the same reason I think that people have strong opinions about Amy Schumer. Yeah. Yeah. And I um, feel... Although there are there are videos on YouTube trying to highlight how many times she's stolen jokes off other comedians and it is quite... Um, I don't know if she has stolen jokes off other comedians, but it's pretty intense how often she seems to make jokes that other people have already made. Hmm, maybe. I don't know. I guess. Uh, but yeah. maybe you could make videos like that of lots of comedians. I don't really know. But um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I I know I I knew I knew I knew a lot of negative things and I, and I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was good and uh, uh, amazing. And the fact that this uh, Lena Dunham managed to like write, create, direct. She also directed some of the episodes. I thought it was really great. Great humor. And then, uh, and then uh, I'm just going to uh, recommend a couple of albums. So um, if uh, any of our listeners are on TikTok, they'll know that, uh, a lot of TikToks use like some music, and um, there's uh, and I love TikTok uh, personally, <laughs> not just for the dances, but just for lots of other things. But there is this artist that is always on TikTok, and I heard most of this album on TikTok, um, and uh, she's uh, she's called uh, Dodger Cat. Do you, you oh yeah. Know her? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, and uh, the new album is called Planet Her. And I decided to listen to it because after kind of like I spent a few weeks just listening to Radiohead, I was like, I need something. I need to listen to something a little bit different. <laughs> yes, yeah, and, uh, and having and, and I like it's amazing how Doja Cat has been able to. Most of the songs in his album are on TikTok, most of them, but and it's great, but they don't. TikTok doesn't give these songs justice because I listened to the album a few times and it's a great album, uh, Planet Her, and it's really, really good and she's really skilled and talented and um, sometimes maybe being so popular in TikTok maybe won't give her the credit that she deserves, but she, it's a great album. It's amazing how like TikTok has just... She's just this kind of like entity on TikTok that is an artist, but people use her songs to make videos. Interesting. But um, yeah. great album, uh, Planet Her by Doja Cat. And then another album recommendation is an album by Joy Crooks called um, uh, Skin. And she is a London-born artist. And uh, she released, this is her first uh, studio album and it's amazing um it, it I, I you shouldn't really uh compare her to amy winehouse but she does make you feel like uh you are listening to 
she reminds me of Amy Winehouse. She's got an amazing voice and she's a really um, incredible storyteller. And also she's got this really incredible, jazzy, beautiful voice. And she's it's an incredible album. And I really, really enjoyed listening to it. And um, I would definitely recommend this album because she's amazing. Uh, and uh, um, I really uh, loved it. So uh, Joe Crooks skin very good nice. album. yes and that's it sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework now homework homework time homework time so you asked me to watch a uh, Takashi Miike film Ah, yes, I did. <laughs> had you forgotten what my homework was? Yeah. <laughs> um, so time. because I've seen all of the Wes Anderson movies we yeah. discussed, um, instead I watched a film that you watched uh, last time um, and discussed in Culture Catch-Up. Yeah. Um, First Love, a Takashi Miike movie. Takashi yeah. Miike being just about the most prolific filmmaker yeah. in the world. He's yeah. made uh, just an insanely huge amount of yeah. movies. Um, the two of his I've seen prior to this one would be Audition, which is mm-hmm. a modern classic and is very well regarded, and a movie called Ichi the Killer, which is um, a very violent, strange film that uh, disturbed me when I was a teenager. And uh, yeah, now we have this, which is a crime film. It's pretty much, I mean, it's pretty straight down the middle, a crime film, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it follows uh, a variety of characters um, who all get mixed up in um, an attempt by a member of the accuser to basically rip off his own um, gang yeah. and steal some drugs, some bags of drugs. Yeah. Um, uh, it's kind of pulled pulled unwittingly into this caper. It's a caper. That's what it is. It's a caper. Mm. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a caper. Pulled into this caper are um, a boxer called Leo, played by Masataka Kubota, Kubota who um, discovers early on that he uh, is very seriously ill mm. and this has affected his mood quite drastically, um, ends up finding something to fight for in the protection of... Da, 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 Yori, um, played by Sakurako Kanishi. I believe that's the character... Uh, yeah, Yori, um, who is a prostitute who has been sort of addicted, who's become addicted to drugs and is basically imprisoned by the Shikuza gang, um, and treated pretty badly generally. Um, she ends up getting dragged into this uh plot to steal these drugs from Kase, who's imprisoning her. Uh, she she manages to escape with the assistance of um Leo. And then the rest of the film is sort of those two on the run. It all takes place over the same night. It's those two on the run through Tokyo, um, attempting to escape the various people that are on the hunt for them, including um, probably the best character in the movie, Julie, played by uh, Becky, who you discussed last time. <laughs> she's the best, isn't uh... she? Yeah, yeah, she's very good in this. Um, as yeah. this sort of furious... Um, 
whirlwind of revenge because uh, uh, within the machinations of the plot, someone kills her boyfriend, someone also attempts to kill her, she survives, and then just she finds a crowbar and goes absolutely nuts with it, which is pretty entertaining. Um, you've got heads, heads are being cut off all yep. over the place, people are being shot, um, there's a police car chase with thousands of police cars involved, all sorts of stuff going on. And um, it's 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 sort of um, kind of similar to last night in Soho. It doesn't have like a bad ending in in it or anything like that. But like, it's not gonna go down in the annals of movies as like a classic film. But it's a very entertaining mm. way to spend a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a really just a, it's a fun entertaining movie. It feels um at times like uh. A Steven Soderbergh film, like uh, um, who made Ocean's mm, Eleven and stuff, it yeah. kind of feels like one of his crime films at times, like very like small stakes almost, but people taking things very seriously and things kind of spiraling. <laughs> it's got that sense of things yeah. just spiraling completely out of control um, as more and more people get dragged into this um, plot that starts off very simple and gets more and more complex complicated. Mm. There's a very good bit early on where somebody tries to sneak up on somebody as they're opening a door and they get stuck on the door handle and accidentally <laughs> reveal themselves. And from that point, that's the moment, I think that's the single moment where it all starts to go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I, had a, I, I, I enjoyed it. So it's a good movie. I'm glad you, you asked me to watch it and I'd recommend people go and find it and check it out. Yeah. It's on Amazon prime, isn't it? Yeah, uh, no, I watched it on Now TV in the UK, but you, I think you can find it on Amazon as well. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, it, oh, oh, and there's a bit actually, you'll know when you've seen it, but there's a bit near the end that reminded me a lot of the French Dispatch, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, where I think they, they save on budget a bit by uh, <laughs> alternating the style of the film for a moment. Yeah, like when I said, it's like, you know, it's kind of unbelievable, but you understand why they did it <laughs> because they couldn't afford all the stunts. <laughs> yeah, as of, there's a very, there's an alarmingly similar moment in the French Dispatch. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see. Great. So yeah, good news all around with First Love. Thank you for suggesting good. it. I don't think I'd ever have watched it if you hadn't told me to. So um, I'm glad yeah, you watched cheers. it. I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's spread it to the world. Watch First Love. It's a fun, crazy film. Yeah, and if you haven't seen Takashi Miki's other movies, don't watch all of them because there's there's too many for any one person to watch. But um, <laughs> definitely check out Audition, and uh, he's got you know a fair few other uh, absolute smashes in his under his belt as well. But I want to know what you I want to know what you think of Rushmore. Oh, Rushmore. Okay, so Rushmore. Um, where uh the only Wes Anderson film I've never watched and is his second film. Yep. Uh, from 1998 uh, with a great cast. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, Schwartzman uh, that uh, plays the lead, uh, Max Fisher. Uh, and then uh, there's Bill Mar- Murray, Olivia Williams, which hasn't, you know, she hasn't been back in one of his films. I know, and she's fantastic. She's in this really one. good in this as Rosemary Cross as uh, the love interest, and then um, uh, Bert Ximo uh, Cassell, which we see in a few of his films as the dad, as Max Fisher's dad. Yeah. And uh, Doctor Nelson Guggenheim as the principal of the school, uh, and. Um, uh, uh, fairly unknown an actor to me 
um, Mason Gambo, who, pe- who plays Dirk Calloway, who is uh, Max Fisher's best friend. I loved him. It's one of my favorite <laughs> characters. Um, uh, there's also uh, and yeah, there's a there's a few uh, recurring. There's also uh, Andrew Wilson, who is uh, and Luke Wilson, who are in um, in other films. Oh, the scene uh, with Luke Wilson is very good. Yeah, where they go yeah. for dinner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's a film about um, uh, the protagonist Max Fisher, who is a uh, fifteen-year-old, uh, and the the film starts in an incredible way, where you know he's uh, he can uh, solve the most um, uh, difficult. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is it? Um, it's like a maths problem. problem. Yeah, maths problem, and then we figure out that it's not really. Uh, what uh, it's not really exactly like that his life Uh, (laughs) and he's incredible he's got all these extracurricular activities he's in the drama club the debate club and this and he's the director of the play and uh but uh, academically he's not great and uh, if he carries on being like that he will be suspended uh, uh from the school and he, uh, instead of taking that as uh, seriously as he should, uh, he uh, meets Miss Cross, who is uh, the primary school teacher, and he immediately falls in love with her. Uh, <laughs> it's just so cute. And then, uh, but then he um, bonds with um, Herman Bloom, played by Bill Murray. Uh, who has a couple of kids in the school, but he doesn't particularly like him, but he uh, really likes um, Max. And they form this uh, unusual friendship, but also uh, he they become friends, but also love rivals because he falls in love with Miss Cross as well. And it's basically uh, the story of Max and... Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, I love this film. Yeah. I absolutely love this film. It's funny. It's got uh it's got Jason Schwartzman all throughout and I love Jason Schwartzman. I love him in yeah. Wes Anderson. And um Bill Murray at his best and at his worst and I think is <laughs> great. Uh I I love the fact that it's just the beginnings of his journey as a filmmaker yeah and it you just see elements that um that you will see in in others but it's just the beginning it's just a raw bit and i just and i thought it was really nice and you you think that you would really not like a character like max fisher but you really really like him and you really care for him and and the relationship that he has with his dad is really lovely. You know, his dad is a, is a barber and he doesn't want his son to be a barber, but then his son gets expelled from school and then he said, well, I'm going to be a barber. And his dad goes, I like being a barber. You're not a barber. I'm a barber. And it's just such a lovely interaction. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just loved this film. I thought it was so good and so surreal as well. There's a scene where... Uh, Max uh, speaks to the principal, uh, Doctor Guggenheim, and you can hear um you can hear uh thunder in the back, but it's not raining. Like I don't yeah, think yeah. it's raining. There's no, <laughs> there is no, 
well, there's no thing that is might be raining or it's gonna rain, but it's just to make the scene dramatic in a ridiculous, silly way. Wes Anderson decides to put some thunder. <laughs> And it's just like the camera just goes from one character to the other and then it goes and I just I just I just so funny it's really really funny and I'm so glad I watched it because it's great and uh maybe not his best but I think it's the beginning of his best and I I I absolutely loved it and I wish uh Olivia Williams wore would have been in more of his films because or will be hopefully one day because I think she's really good at kind of uh portraying the quirkiness of the mm. characters that he uh he wants to show but I I thought yeah. It was, yeah great I'm so glad I watched it thank you you're welcome I'm glad you watched it as well I'm glad you liked it yeah it is good um, I like how much Bill Murray's character dislikes his own children in that film. That's it's one of so my favourite jokes. And his children are the worst, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really, awful. really bad. And the fact that he puts just a random Scottish boy in the film. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, this, what's this Scottish boy doing here? It made no sense, but it makes so much sense. Good stuff. Good, Good stuff, stuff for around. Yeah. Um... How's about some top Radio. five? Yeah. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. So we're going to count down our top five favourite Radiohead songs. Yeah. Uh, How exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. I, uh, I have not listened to this much Radiohead since I was a teenager. I'm excited so, to hear what you've pulled out then. It's interesting. Yeah, it was it's been it's been um it's it's it was difficult not to have my songs just from my two favorite albums. So right, I had yeah, to, yeah. I picked one song from each album. Yeah. And put it in a Yeah, I've tried I've limited to one song per album. Because well. I was like, if not everything was going to be, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm. Okay, good. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Radiohead are an English rock band formed in Oxford, in, uh, or in Abingdon in Oxfordshire in 1985. Um, we're talking about Tom York, vocals, yeah. piano, guitar, keyboards. We're talking about Johnny Greenwood, lead guitar and other instruments. Colin Greenwood, bass, Ed O'Brien. Guitar, Philip Selway, drums, um, and uh, almost unofficial extra members, Nigel Godrich, their longtime producer, yeah. and Stanley Donwood, who has uh, produced uh, all of their art since uh, 1994, I think. Mm. Um, they're one of the sort of titans of rock. They're probably the leading mm-hmm. uh, band or group in sort of experimental rock, pushing the genre forwards, etc. Um, you know, famously completely redefining their sound uh, on album after album, yeah. uh, in particular going from Pablo Honey's um, early 90s <laughs> indie through to yeah. the Benz getting more artistic, OK Computer being something that nobody had ever heard, throwing no. everything they'd already done out of the window for Kid A and Kid Amnesiac, a, yeah. where they just redefined what a, what a rock band could even be. Yeah. 
um, bringing those disparate elements together for albums like um, mm-hmm. Hail to the Thief and In Rainbows, finding a new way of distributing music within Rainbows, yeah. giving it away for free, pretty much the first time a big artist had done mm-hmm. anything like that, um, on the Pay What You Want scheme, and then uh, continuing to push themselves forward artistically and creatively with, with uh, our very sort of dis- different albums like The King of Limbs and the most recent one, a moon shaped pool. Mm. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're iconic. They're brilliant. They're a lot of people's favorite band. And, uh, we're going to go for our favorite songs with, we, I didn't, we didn't do albums because I thought with albums, there might end up being quite a lot of crossover. Um, like neither of us would have hail to the thief or the King of limbs on our lists. And we'd probably both have okay. Computer and kid a, like it, it felt like it'd be (laughs) unnecessary to, to, to say that we like those albums the best. So, songs mm. so which might mean it's a slightly shorter top five because there's, there's less individually to say about any one song yeah. but um it will be interesting just to see where we've fallen what 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 we've moved towards yeah um because my long list of songs was was just about every track that they've done so it was tough oh yeah down like, to, to a top you want to see my my page <laughs> this is full <laughs> <laughs> i was like okay i was i i thought oh to make this easy i'll just write all the albums and my favorite songs from the albums <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't make it any easier um i don't know if you want to do this but i thought before we start properly i'd briefly be interested to know what you thought just sort of overview of what you thought of the albums that you hadn't really heard before we entered into this project. Um, so I hadn't really listened to a moon shaped pool mm-hmm. and, uh, in rainbows. So they're like the latest two albums. I really hadn't given. You're just completely ignoring the King of limbs there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the, the forgotten last... stepchild of the Radiohead discography. Uh, King of Limbs. I, I completely missed it. Sorry. Yeah. Because I didn't really <laughs> even write it because in the King of Limbs, I like only one song. Um, mm. There, there. Um, That's on Hail to the Thief. What? Really <laughs> just a second. Just a second. Like, just... <laughs> I'm so confused. Wait a second. Let me, because I, I am a Radiohead out. I need to look at the pictures of the albums. The King of Limbs I... has got Bloom, Lotus Flower, Morning Mr. Magpie. Ah, oh, yeah, Feral. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... <laughs> Let's start again. Ask me the question. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> this, is go- this is gold. <laughs> this is not gold. <laughs> this is absolute fried gold. <laughs> this is not gold. Um... This is gold. So... Uh, I so I hadn't really given any time to uh, in rainbows the king of limbs and a moon shaped pool. Um, I guess I guess I was such a fanatic when I was younger that maybe when Hail to the Thief came out and it wasn't my favorite, and mm. I didn't want maybe to get um. I wanted them to be still be my kind of like Radiohead, like the ones I've always loved. And so mm. I, after Hail to the Thief, I was like, eh. Uh, but but I was uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by In Rainbows and A Moon Shaped Pool. I love those two albums. 
Uh, the King of Limbs, maybe not so much. Yeah, I mean, uh, the King of Limbs was enough of a disappointment that after it came out, the Radiohead fan community were obsessed with the theory that it was only part one of, like, a two-part release. Oh, okay. Which turned out to not be true at all. <laughs> yeah. And the, the King of Limbs has some redeeming qualities to it, but it's mm-hmm. it's only, like, eight tracks long. Yeah. One of those tracks is entirely an instrumental sort of soundscape yeah. thing. Yeah. And out of the other songs, only one of them is sort of really catchy, Lotus Flower, and the rest of them mm. are all sort of, like, quite... Um, slow and atmospheric it's yeah it's it's okay but it's an album i never go back to and um yeah because the last track is called i can't remember what it's called but it, the lyrics in it are something like you think this is over but you're wrong mm. and people really really grabbed onto that as like this idea that there was going to be a second <laughs> set of songs like imminently being released yeah which, yeah no, was not true yeah um cool okay brilliant so should we get into our top five yeah absolutely Okay, good. So my number five is a track off the album that got me into Radiohead. Um, the first, because my my journey with liking Radiohead came from like I didn't really like music at all. Um, Channel Four when I was in school did a top one hundred albums of all time TV show, um, almost definitely hosted by Jimmy Carr, I imagine, and um, the number one album was was named OK Computer, or was it Park Life? No, I think Park Life was number two. I think OK Computer was number one on that list, if I remember rightly. And so when I first started getting into music, I was kind of very quickly like, well, I should listen to OK Computer by Radio <laughs> because that's the best album ever been released of all time. So it was like, I think, and I think it was probably, I think it was a pound on Amazon or something. So I ordered it and listened to it and I was like, oh, uh, this is the worst noise of the <laughs> whole of the world that I've ever heard. What is this bad thing? Um, and I think I listened to it a, a few times, didn't really get it. And then... Just after that, uh, they put out their surprise free album in 2007 in Rainbows. Mm. And um, I kind of was like, oh, yeah. That late? Okay. Sorry? That late? Yeah, that late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. I know. So. (laughs) Like a few years. So you listen to OK Computer like the year in Rainbows came out. I listen no, I listened to the okay computer probably a year or two earlier wow, and then okay. it just sat, of sat on my shelf and I didn't really give them much more of a chance. And then when in Rainbows came out and it was free and everyone was getting all excited about it I was like, well, it's free. So I this is and this was before Spotify when you, if a song came out you could just listen to it. I was like, free music isn't anything to be sniffed at. That's a, that's that's free. So I sort of downloaded it and listened to it and fell in love with it immediately and went back and listened to OK Computer again and was like, this isn't the same. This can't be the same <laughs> album. This must be different. This is somehow a different thing. And uh, and then my obsession and love with, with the bands pr- properly started. So, yeah, I did come on board quite late, but um, I do love them. So, yeah, so In Rainbows, it's an, it's an incredible album. It's full of really good songs. Um in particular, like, 15 Step, which I remember when I heard that for the first time, I was like, yeah. there's nothing, nothing has ever been like this before. This yeah. is incredible. Uh, Jigsaw Falling Into Place is a, is a song that has a music video partly directed by Adam Buxton, who, um, you know, I, I adore Adam Buxton. I saw Adam Buxton live, actually, a couple of days ago. I should <gasps> I mention. How was it? It was great. It was incredible. Aww. It was brilliant. He he was doing like a book tour thing and uh, oh yeah, yeah. um 
Yeah, but the one I've picked out is kind of um, the rockiest track on In Rainbows. Uh, it's track two, and it's Body Snatchers. Mm. Body Snatchers is my number five because it's just such an incredible jam. Um, it's got this great guitar riff going on in it, and it just feels like a rock song. And Radiohead mm. so often feel scared to just do a rock song that when they and but the, when they do pull one out, you can kind of like it's like oh, I wish they'd do this more often because they're so good at it. Like Johnny Greenwood can just create. Um, songs in a way that nobody else can uh, it's great it's fantastic and it's got these you know fantastic classic tom york lyrics um i do not understand what it is i've done wrong full of holes check for pulse blink your eyes one for yes two for no like he's 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 kind of poetry he's got this odd sort of quite aggressive style where often it feels mm. like he's having a go at the listener um which i really enjoy and uh, a lot of that comes through when um and like he'll sometimes you look at the lyrics to Radiohead, and you don't realize that what sounds like such a beautiful noise when he's singing it is just quite unpleasant lyric. Like one of the lines in this song goes, "I have no idea what you're talking about. Your mouth moves only with someone's hand up your ass." And it's like when he when he sings that, it doesn't sound as aggressive. It's there's something kind of beautiful about it. So yeah, mm. um, Body Snatchers. Body Snatchers is just a great song. I saw them on the. Tour for In Rainbows and I they played this and it was just great so yeah, body snatches, amazing, yeah wow, what a yeah. what about yeah. you with your well my 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 journey with Radiohead started when I was uh thirteen yeah uh, when OK Computer came out uh I was just going to a new school and uh to the big school and uh there were some cooler kids uh i was still listening to backstreet boys but there were some cooler kids in my class and they were like have you listened to radiohead and i was like what and uh i listened to it and i was like what is this <laughs> and uh mtv was showing um the video of Karma Police on loop, basically. So I know the video off by heart and I knew the song and I was like, this is weird. And then, um, but because I wanted to be with the cool kids, I listened to it loads. And then I, then they were, and I was like, oh, you know, okay, computer's good, you know, as you do when you're a kid. But then this girl, uh, she was like, oh, you should listen to the bends. And she lent me her CD of the bends. And uh, and I love the bends because it's quite rocky. And I think at that age, you kind of like love the kind of like, you know, you can kind of relate a little bit more to the bends. And then she's like, oh, there's another one. And I listened to Pablo Honey. So I've been listening. I was listening to it quite a bit when I was uh, growing up uh, from the age of from my teen years. Yeah, I, I had uh, all of their uh, CDs until Amnesiac. And then uh, I didn't buy Hail to the Thief. Uh, and that's another story. But uh, <laughs> uh, so um, weirdly enough, my number five is a song from In Rainbows as well. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, my number five is the last song in, in Rainbows. And it kind of makes me really emotional every time I listen to it. And it kind of, I think, ends the album in Rainbows in a beautiful uh, and uh, also tragic way. <laughs> And this song is called Videotape. Oh, Videotape. It's a great one. 
is a really, really amazing song. And it's this incredible kind of ballad, which for for Radiohead is very different. Um, what what this band can do is not being scared of trying whatever, <laughs> you know, and making it successful. And it's a really um it's a really emotional and sad song and it's beautiful. It's it's just a beautiful song and um I I I really I really love it. But yeah, that's my number five videotape from In Rainbows. No. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh good choice uh with that one. My number four mm-hmm. is um one of Radiohead's lost songs. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's one of the songs that they originally recorded during the sessions for OK Computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going for a time as a band at that point where they wanted to avoid another creep, essentially. Yeah. Um, because they'd kind of felt like that was a big kind of, um, what's that bird that people don't want to have around their neck? Albatross. It was a bit of an albatross <laughs> around their neck uh, because people just wanted to hear creep, etc. So they kind yeah. of wanted to kind of t- pivot away from being a band with big hooky singles like that. And they almost, they so they didn't put this song on OK Computer because they didn't want it to become another creep, mm. um, which is a sort of a rare occurrence of a band. And people, you know, the people who don't like Radiohead would roll their eyes all the way out of their skulls at this kind of idea. Is a band um, sort of not, putting out a song because they thought it was too good but um that's what happened with this song and finally when they did their big anniversary release of okay computer called okay not okay they released um three songs from the vaults and all three of them are brilliant one's called i promise uh one's called man of war and then the one i've picked is called lift Mm. and um it's an absolutely gorgeous beautiful song um with again lyrics that like they managed to make the line the smell of air conditioning the fish your belly up empty all your pockets because it's time to come home into a soaringly beautiful gorgeous chorus and i think that this song would have fit perfectly on okay computer but i guess they made their decisions um and it's they kind of re-released it they did a new music video for it when it came out in 2017 um of tom york in a lift and uh it's it's kind of um it's kind of great and it's just it's um, one that might have passed people by slightly because of um the fact that it wasn't on okay computer and it was lost for all these years and i think it's one that people should uh, make sure they've checked out and listened to because it's just mm. such a such a great tune like it's it like you listen to it and it could be a song or it, like it it sounds like a, it sounds mm. like a classic radiohead song from the okay computer era and i think i love it so much now because I've listened to all the songs mm. on, OK, on OK Computer so many times that some of them have lost their shine a little bit, whereas this song is still feels fresh and new, yet has that quality and has that feeling of Radiohead at the sort of at their absolute peak. So, yeah, lift. Amazing. Yeah, but Man of War and I Promise is so good as well. I spent Man of War. It was really tight between Man of War and I and uh, Lift, but uh, mm. I went for Lift in the end. Because mm. uh, the chorus is just so, just soars in a way that, yeah, I, I adore. So there you go. Have you listened to any of those tracks? Or? No, I haven't actually. 
You should check them out. Okay, so my number four. My number four uh, song song is from uh, Radiohead's fifth album, Amnesiac. Yeah. It's the album released in 2001, uh, very closely to Kid A. It uh, uh, was uh, very exciting when they both came out, and that's when I was already become already a big fan. And so, you know, when these came out, I was like, yeah. You know, I was really excited and they kind of, uh, they kind of then became one album for me because they kind of, they got released one after the other, uh, one in 2000, Kid A in 2000 and um, uh, Amnesiac in 2001. And I really related to that because I I was um, creating my own political uh, belief and uh, these albums were kind of a little bit maybe... um, portraying the what was happening at the time and what is still happening but also uh kind of i could relate to them and their uh to what they uh were saying to me but this is from their 2001 album amnesiac and uh, the song is i might be wrong nice choice yeah i absolutely love this song and there's a there's a moment where uh, it goes, I might be wrong, let's go down to the waterfall. And there's this big drum at the, bo- at the, at the back. It's like boom, 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 boom. And I just, I don't know. It's just an incredible song. And says I could have sworn I saw a light coming on and it could be like, you know, I thought I saw an end of the, a light at the end of the tunnel, but maybe, um, maybe there isn't. But then he says, I used to think there was new, that I used to think there was no future at all but maybe there is a future. So there's kind of like some kind of maybe some um, some hope, maybe. Uh, maybe there isn't any hope. Who knows? Mm. But I just love this song and I love how it's structured. I love his voice in it. I love the drums. It's just a great song in a great album. Um, so, yeah. Number four. I might be wrong. Nice, good pick. And yeah, Amnesiac's one of their absolute. I prefer Amnesiac to Kid A personally. Um, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is because uh, Kid A came first. It's always cool, but like they both were born out of the same yeah. sessions, so they're both part of that sort of new I, mm. era. And uh, I think that they saved the best for the second part, really. In my opinion. Um. I think you're right. I think uh, uh, Amnesiac is better than Kid A. I think Kid A, you had to give it a lot of time to get your head around it and understand yeah. it. And I think that's the... But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. But, you know, I might be wrong. Who knows? I might be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I did you do on purpose? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, my number three is... Uh, not from a Radiohead album, but was released um, in the era of uh, The King of Limbs, but is better than any song on The King of Limbs, and was featured on... They did a live They did a live DVD concert thing um, where they played The King of Limbs in full, and they played this song as well on that DVD, and uh, it's called The Daily Mail. Oh, yes. Do you know it? Yeah. Yeah, it's um. I think you made me a... listen to it. I Sorry? think you must. You must have sent me something. I don't know. May, I think I might have sent it to you. It sort of starts off as a piano ballad and builds and builds for about the mm. first half of the song, 
and then the the full band kind of rush in and, and it becomes this kind of rocky, okay, computery song after starting off as this really quiet ballad. And I really love the way that the song progress. I love songs that build and build and build and then kind of just break and uh, go all cacophonous. And uh, it's, it's exactly what I like. So I really love this song for that. And then the lyrics, I really like the lyrics. Um, it's sort of Tom York at his most annoyed and angry and bitter Um you know, the first verse is, uh, the moonies are up on the mountain, the lunatics have taken over the asylum, waiting on the rapture, singing, we're here to keep your prices down, feed you to the hounds, to the Daily Mail. And um, it sort of goes on like that. And then the second the second verse starts, you made a pig's ear, you made a rude mistake. And um, I just like that, that, I just, I don't know, those lyrics kind of speak to me, I find them really evocative. And the way the song kind of goes into mayhem at the end, um, after starting off so gently, is... Um, is is great i really like it and um yeah again it's another one that might not be that well heard because it's not on any album probably because it didn't it doesn't fit in at all with the rest of the king of limbs so it kind of ended up being released as this kind of double a side with a song called um i think it's staircase which is fine that song's fine but the daily mail is uh is is has been one of my favorite radiohead songs since i heard it so there it is in number two boom in number three, sorry. Number three. I was like, I was like I'm not in number two yet. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, there, there you go. Nice. Yeah. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is uh, a song in uh, Kid A. Uh, like I had, like, they're quite, for me, uh, Kid A and Amnesia kind of like go together and I, this song is amazing. Uh, and, uh, because the it lyrics don't match the music, but it works perfectly well. And uh, the song is Idiotech. Oh, I love Idiotech. Uh, and I just, it's just such an amazing song. And it's so um, different in a way in, um, in a kid day kind of sticks out as a, like as a, it just doesn't fit in a way, but it fits perfectly. It's a really interesting song and uh, it's got this techno uh, tempo and it's really catchy. And then you listen to the lyrics and the lyrics are really kind of powerful. And, you know, um, you know, Tom, Tom York has always been passionate about uh, environment issues. And uh, there's the, 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 beam, the moment goes, I, I say it's coming, I say it's coming, throw me in the fire, throw me in the fire. And then it goes, we're not scaremongering. This is really happening. And it's just like the way he says it is so musical and you just sing it and then you go, well, these are pretty incredible lyrics. You know, we're not, yeah. this is happening. Um, and it's just, Oh, it's just an amazing song and the video is incredible of it. Um, I just remember watching it over and over on MTV and yeah, I, I love this song. Yeah, that's uh, it was definitely the first song that hooked me into Kid A. Mm. Um, I think it was the first song I listened to off Kid A because I yeah. saw that it'd been, I think it was the single from that album. Yeah. Or sort of, the, yeah, the one they sort of put out and I yeah. remember thinking, this is great. I yeah. really like this. Mm. I said, come in, I said, come Yeah. Women and children first, the children first, the children ask. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> Sing until my hair comes up. So, uh, good pick for number three there. Um, mm. A banger from Kid A. Um, my number two, then, mm-hmm. is um, uh, my, I think, the earliest song I have 
from earlier heard on this list, and it's a track from the Bends, <gasps> um, one of their absolute best <laughs> albums, uh, and it is the closing track on the Bends, "Street Spirit Fade Out." Is my number two. <laughs> Have you picked it as well? Yeah, my number two. Oh is wow! Street Sorry. Spirit Fade Out from wow. the Bends. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. That's so amazing. We've both picked it. Oh, <laughs> um, how can you not to... pick it? <laughs> how can you not? How can you not pick this song? Yeah, it's amazing. It's so so good. According to Genius.com, it's a song about the futility of life, the pointlessness of existence, and the certainty of death. So, um, yeah. a really fun time. To be yeah. Had. It's just it it it's it starts off. I love it because it starts off really good, and then there's a point yeah. where it kicks into gear, and it yeah. somehow is better than it started, yeah. Yeah. which you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um. It's just so so good, and also if for a good sort of a good time, look up on YouTube the Darkness's cover of this song, which is bizarre. <laughs> well, yeah. Um. But it sort of works in an odd way. But yeah, it's just, it's hard to really say much about it for me because it's just a really good song. It's just a beautiful, yeah. wonderful song. Um, yeah. It's mad that the, the, the entirety of the Benz is filled with amazing songs and then somehow they save the best to last. Like yeah. you, you don't expect to be hit this hard at the end of an album, but it's uh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. And just how it starts is like, da 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 and then he starts. And then, our houses are bearing down on me. It's just an incredible song. And I don't know. It's just like, fade out again. Fade out. And then he starts to already smash. Oh, just so beautiful. It's such an amazing song. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm very depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what you want from Radiohead. Yeah. That's the idea. I'm interested to know your first one there, number one. Well, my first one, well, shall I? I'll go to my number one then if you, that's yeah. your number two. So I'll yeah, go to yeah. my number one, then you can go to your number one. So my number one is, um, as I said, I think Amnesiac is better than Kid mm. A. So it's my favourite tune off Amnesiac and mm. it's... Um, it's just this huge i love it because it's more than any of a radiohead song it feels epic and grand and enormous it feels like just a huge enormous monolith similar to what it's named after because it is pyramid song oh yes um yeah pyramid song i think is just one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever made um and I once did it at karaoke, and it's not a good song. That's the only <laughs> bad thing about it is you can't no. sing pyramid song at karaoke. No. Um, but it's it's um, I don't know. I think it's beautiful and gorgeous. Um, Genius dot com describes it as malevolent, moving, and epic. And yeah, I think it is, and that's what I like. It's got that darkness running throughout it. That mm. um, it feels creepy and strange and unsettling but beautiful at the same time, uh, mm. like the best Radiohead songs do. So, yeah, Pyramid Song. Why is it called Pyramid Song? Who on earth could possibly know? Who knows? Yeah, there's some... Uh, I was looking all the songs up earlier, and there's, some, there's, there's like a theory from Radiohead fans that you can use the note progression of the song to form a pyramid, but I, I don't know if I, that sounds mm. wrong, because bizarre to me, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Pyramid song. Good. Love it. What's your number one? 
My number one. My number creep. one is, is it creep. I bet it's creep. It's probably creep, right? Because creep's no. the best song. So it is the best song. Unfortunately, I didn't put. I didn't put the obvious songs. Karma Police or um, Creep as my num- as anything because they're obviously incredible songs. Yeah. So my 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 number one song is from uh, OK Computer, and okay. it's between uh, Electioneering and Lucky. Ooh. Oh wow. And I'm going to go for Lucky. So my number one Radiohead song is Lucky from their album OK Computer. I love this song. (laughs) It's so sad and so beautiful to listen to. There's a a moment uh, where it says, but I don't have time for him. And then it's going to be, it's going to be a glorious day. And how he sings is going to be a glorious day just gets me in my soul i feel my look could change yeah glorious day and they are just so amazing and i just love this song because even even when he sings when he goes kill me sarah kill me again you don't until until you read the lyrics you don't know he's saying kill me kill me sarah it could say anything. And I think that's another thing where I love Radiohead and I love how Tom York sings and I love because their lyrics are part of the music. And sometimes it doesn't really matter what they say because it's all part of the experience. Although what they say is really important, even if you don't understand their language, which when I was 14, I didn't understand all of the English language. I still love them. You know, they're 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 a magical band. Yeah. But yeah. I love electioneering as well. Sorry. Yeah, like electioneering's a good rocky one. It's probably yeah. the rockiest song on OK Computer, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. Um but no, Lucky's a great choice. I like it. An unexpected decision. Uh but I every time I hear Lucky, I'm always like, this song is so much better than I remember because it's nestled yeah. away at the end of the album. It's easy yeah. to forget about it, but it's yeah. um, it is beautiful. So thank yeah. you for choosing it. It's good. Mm. Right. Well, that's uh. Do you want to? Uh, I'll run through my top five one yeah. more time, and then you can run through yours. So I had uh, at number five off of um, in rainbows body snatchers, and then number four from the OK Computer Sessions, and re-released on finally on the OK Not OK uh, album Lift. Number three from the uh, King of Limbs Live at the Basement uh, video, The Daily Mail. Number two from the Benz is Street Spirit Fade Out. And number one off of Amnesiac is Pyramid Song. Lovely choices. Uh, my you. number five from In Rainbows uh, videotape. My number four uh, from the album Amnesiac, I Might Be Wrong. My number three uh, from Kid A, Idiotech. From number two uh, from the Benz Street Spirit. And from uh, OK Computer, Lucky. Lucky. Nice. So I've got a few honorable mentions from uh, <laughs> you know each of their you albums. You want to go there? Through. What? <laughs> You want to go for the honourable mentions? Yeah, it's worth yes. it's worth doing yeah. that, isn't it? Quickly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've got like off of Pablo Honey, uh, Creep, and a smaller one that I have always really loved is Anyone Can Play Guitar. You know that song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I adore that song. I wanna be, wanna be, wanna be Jim Morrison. Um, from the Benz, you've got the titular song The Benz, along with High and Dry, yeah. Fake Plastic Trees, yeah. and Just. Mm-hmm. which I really love. Uh, off of OK Computer, obviously Paranoid Android, Let Down, Karma Police, which you've mentioned, mm. um, and Electioneering are my big songs from that. 
um, from Kid A, Everything in His Right Place, Idiotech, the song from Kid A that very nearly was on my top five, uh, The National Anthem. I love that mm. song. Yeah. Um, off of Amnesiac, we've got You and Who's Army, Knives Out, um, and I Might Be Wrong that you named. Uh, off of Hail to the Thief, not that many, not my favourite <laughs> album, but There There is a really good tune off of Hail to the Thief, which I think you agree with. Yeah. 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 Um, off of uh, In Rainbows, 15 Step, All I Need, Jigsaw Falling Into Place, and Reckoner. Reckoner's such a good song. Off of The King of Limbs, you've got Lotus Flower is uh, worth a listen. And off of off of uh, Moonshape Pool, Burn the Witch, Daydream and Daydreaming and Identikit are wonderful. And uh, from sort of non-album things, like I mentioned earlier, I Promise and Man of War are really good. And off of their mm. very recent re-release of Kid A and Amnesiac, um, if you say the word and follow me around, both could potentially be in my top five in the future, but I haven't listened to them enough yet to say, mm. but they're great. In particular, follow me around is awesome and has a great music video they've just put out that features Guy Pearce, which is worth, uh, worth watching. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything you'd, any that you'd like to highlight? Uh, so, well, from Pablo Honey Creep, uh, from the Benz, um, Bulletproof, you didn't mention. Uh, oh, I really yeah. like that. Uh, from Craig Computer, uh, the ones you didn't mention, Paranoid Android, Exit Music, No Surprises. Uh, from oh, yeah. Kid A, Everything is in the Right Place, the National Anthem, well, you, you mentioned it. Uh, Amnesiac, uh, Packed uh, pack Like Sardines, uh, oh, yeah. The Pyramid Song, I Might Be Wrong. Well, no, that wasn't me. Uh, in Rainbows, uh, 15 Steps, All I Need, Videotape. Uh, Hail to the Thieves, just there, there. And I'm going to go straight to a moonshade pool, uh, daydreaming and identikit. A wonderful set of honourable mentions as well. Thank you very much. Uh, before we say goodbye, how, how do you want to approach homework this week? Uh, would be uh, probably uh, maybe something uh, I would like you to listen to an album I listened to this week. Uh, what? What? Which album? I would like you uh, to uh, listen to the album by uh, Joy Crooks called Skins. Cool. I will listen to Skin by Joy Crooks. Um, I'll somehow find time between repeatedly listening to the new Idols album to listen to that as well. Ah, yeah. When is it coming out? Yesterday. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. November's going so quickly. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. So I've listened to it four times, so you've got to catch up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, but no, I'll listen to that. And could you? Uh, I'll I'll only listen to um, "Skin" by Georgia Crook if you listen to um, "Prioritize Pleasure" by Self Esteem. Okay. I've got a couple of recommendations for people from this week. Um, I think that people should uh, go and watch um, the Medium if they can. Uh, I really, really liked the Medium. And uh, listen to, I mean, I've just told you two as homework, but as well, it's my recommendation for the week. Uh, Prioritise Pleasure by Self-Esteem is um, fantastic and I'd love to talk about it more. So, uh, mm. yeah, people should go and, go and listen to that. Uh, do you have any recommendations? So, yeah, uh, I want I would like to recommend the two albums I listen to. So I would like to recommend um, uh, the album Planet Her by Doja Cat and uh, the album Skin by Joe Crooks. Lovely, lovely stuff. Um, that's so that's us for this week. Yeah. Uh, next week, please come back. Please come back and um, <laughs> uh, join us for the first part of our two part special on the White Lotus. Um, yes. Mike White's um, 2021 
dark comedy satire for HBO um, set on a Hawaiian resort. Uh, it's an absolute smash hit. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, go and watch it. And um, if you haven't watched it and you don't mind listening to two people talk you through it, then listen ahead anyway to, to our uh, rambling. Um, but uh, I, we've, we've recorded that already and uh, it's kind of the first of our slightly experimental new ways of doing episodes um, on the regular to do deeper dives into things that we both want to talk about. So I really enjoyed recording those uh, yes. White Lotus episodes. Me so too. I hope that people um, enjoy them. Would you say, Alex? Yeah, yeah. I think it's fun. You know, we, we talk about things that we enjoy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. Good, good, good. Um, please find us on every place you can on the internet. Um, Instagram is where we're most active, but you can find us on Facebook as well and various other places. Links to all of our social media channels are in the show notes for this and every episode, along with links to anything we've discussed in Culture Catch-Up and the uh, my YouTube videos that we watch as well. Um, so please do check the show notes to, uh, you know, get all of that juicy detail and... Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good good fun time. Please yeah. join us for that in the future. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.